0: I want to just focus in on who Jesus is. And I, I, was, I was so excited about this year just because of the fact is that we we're all going to be home. And it was a little different for us. Usually when we get near Christmas, uh, I gear into doing something really crazy. I, I like to try to outdo my neighbor with Christmas lights. Does anybody else do that? Is that wrong for a Christian to do? It's like to try to outdo his neighbors with Christmas lights? So, but you've got to understand, my neighbor is a professional Santa Claus. He's across the street from me. So he goes all out. And, and I feel like, you know, I mean, he's, he's Santa. I'm a pastor. You know, we've got this thing going. We're competing. and uh, But the thing is, he, he does it right, okay? He, he went all out and, like, got it professionally done and all the lights match and all that stuff. I had to explain something, okay? And some of you guys might know this about me and some of you might not. Um, I'm, I'm extremely cheap, okay? I'm a tightwad. Uh, I'd rather refer to myself as frugal. Uh, if we go on vacation, I'm going to be looking up Groupon. Anybody with me on that, all right? I'm looking up Groupon. Uh, I've got this jacket. I've got it. It's, it's the Christmassy most Christmasy thing that I could find. I bought it a year ago on clearance so that I could wear it tonight. So I've been saving this up for a year and you say, why is that? Because I, I was too cheap to buy it full price last year, so I bought it on clearance after Christmas. Well, that rolled right into my obsession with decorating my yard, okay? I told Jenny I'm going to go up and buy some Christmas lights, and I'm going to go all out for our yard. Well, then I went in and realized how expensive Christmas lights are. And then I went to Lowe's and Home Depot and Walmart and all that stuff after Christmas you know, they put that stuff on sale for like 80, 90% off. It's like insane. So I'm like buying a box of this and a box of that. And then I put that on. The next year you do it again and you keep adding a box of that. You know what the problem with being a, a tightwad is when you're decorating your yard like that? You never buy a whole bunch of boxes of the same thing. So my, my yard, here's Santa where everything matches on this side, and here's me on this other side. I think I've got a picture. Okay, so if you look at this, it, it's all different colors and shades and things like that. And this is when I was putting it up, and I think there's another angle of it. And this is, doesn't do justice, but I promise you I've got about a, 500 different boxes of everything on that yard right there. And I, and I do that. I was, I was wondering when my kids were telling me, I said, just if, if they're dropping you off, tell them it's easy to find the house that's all lit up. And they're like having their friends drop them off like two houses down. There. I'm like, what's going on? Are you embarrassed of your dad? And me and Morgan were driving uh, the, uh, just last week. We are driving down the road. And uh, she looks over and there's this house all decorated with Christmas lights. And she goes, Dad, can you stop and look at this for a minute? I said, yeah, it kind of looks like our yard. She goes, it d- looks nothing like our yard, Dad. Do you know what the difference is? That all matches. It looks like they pre-planned it out, and they bought it all from the same store. It stinks to be a tightwad, okay? But I, I do. I, I didn't get the decorate right this year, but I, I have a great time with all my random lights that I just throw on there. And I started thinking about it, and I thought, honestly that probably is a good depiction of what Christmas is about. It's a beautiful mess. Now, you wouldn't say that because we're so wrapped up in the nativity story... You know that we have our song "Silent Night," all is bright. You know that you know it, the baby in a manger and everything. You know it's all quiet and, and good. Can you, can you imagine? Okay, this is how we picture Christmas. With Christmas Eve, Mary and Joseph coming into Bethlehem, and, and Joseph coming out saying, "Mary, I've got bad news. There's no room for us in the end. And you know how Mary? You you know what Mary did? She's nine months pregnant, rode all that time on a donkey. She just simply responds and says. Honey, just find me some hay. That's all I need. I, I, I can give... Does any pregnant wife in here agree that that's how she responded? Okay? You know, it's like, just find me a pile of hay. And then, and then, you know, after you have birth in a barn with barn animals, and then you have random stinky shepherds that show up, that's just the icing on the cake. It wasn't all as calm and all as bright. and I mean, we sing the songs, but it really was a night of chaos exactly what it was. In reality, when you start going through it, you start laying out what happened. There was a young lady that was with child, culturally unaccepted. She wasn't married. She was engaged. It looked like she cheated. I mean, just being real, it looked like it it was a mess. You've got this guy that's engaged to her that he didn't know what to do, Then then she explains herself and then says, Hey, honey, it's all okay because I'm going to have God's baby. And that just made her look crazy. Then you have her start showing. You've got the whispers. You've got the rumors. You've got the family issues. You've got the people that don't believe what's going on. And just piled up and piled up like this. You've got a husband that didn't know what to do or a fiance that didn't know what to do. And then things get worse. The Bible says in Luke 2, verse 1, and it came to pass in those days that it went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. You can imagine Joseph saying, Honey, I know you're nine months pregnant, but let's go on a trip on a donkey. You know, it's like, not, not the best news that you want to hear at a time like that. And, and listen to this. this is, verse 5 says, To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife. Now listen to this. I don't think we just zone in on what the Bible was saying, who was great with child. We could not use that term today. I promise you if I went up to a woman that was nine months pregnant today and went like, you are great with child, that, that would not be a compliment. She was great with child. Literally, it meant that she was, she was due, she was ready, she was ready. She, she was ready. She was miserable. She was a woman just like any other woman that would be pregnant with swollen ankles and having to go to the bathroom every 10 minutes and and, and cravings and having a, a kid doing karate in her belly and all this other stuff happening on this journey. Then you get to a place and there's no room in the end. And just like we try to make it look so sweet, but to have to give birth in a manger in a feeding trough with animals it was a mess. I, I, I know we don't sit there, but let me say this. In the middle of that mess, there was hope that they didn't understand. In the middle of that chaos, and it's like, man, it just one thing left after another. Do you guys realize that life is a mess? I know this is Christmas Eve, and we should be like, you know, like just trying to do like all the songs say, and everything's great, and everything's bright. And, you know, we, we try to give that image of that. You know what I'm saying? But let me tell you the truth. The reality behind every Instagram photo that will be posted tonight, that there's, there's heartaches and hardships. Behind every matching pajama picture that we do, and the stockings up, and the, the house smelling like gingerbread, and, and every gift wrapped under the tree, and you, and you sit there and try to give this image like everything's all right. In reality, not everything is all right behind the scenes. It's like that manger picture that we try to give the image that everything was perfect. But Mary would say it was a very hard night. It, there was a lot of trouble that you didn't know. And there was a lot of stress. And there was a lot of aggravation. And there was, it, it, it was just hard. But Mary would say in the middle of the difficulty, I had Jesus and they didn't fully understand it, maybe we are going through Christmas and not fully understanding what we have. We don't just have a cute baby in a manger. We have hope that was born on Christmas. Hope that would change everything. We have, and Isaiah 9, 6 explains this thing and gives us this depiction of what this was all about. It was God being with us. This is a weird passage to do at Christmas because it was 700 years before that they were projecting or predicting what was going to happen. In Isaiah 9 6, in both of the videos, demonstrated this as we were setting up the message today. It says, For unto us, prophecy, a child is born, unto us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. The everlasting father and the prince of peace. I just started thinking about who he is. I, I just think about in the middle of our chaos. In the middle of the hearts. In the middle of the trials. And everything that we're going through right now. He, he is the wonderful counselor. Let, let me just break this down with you. The, the wonderful counselor. The word wonder means to stand in awe. Literally means when Jesus came into the world. That they were Shocked. By what he came to do, being the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, came in in that mo- in that moment to be wonderful Counselor. He came in to shock the world, shock the world with his love, shock the world with his presence, to stand in all. It literally means another word for it to be miraculous or to do miracles among us. It's who God was. It literally means that God came to shock us in such a way that you could be the most messed up or you think you're the most messed up person here. I know how it is. It's Christmas Eve. A lot of people that are here right now, you're, out of, you're here out of tradition because of the fact is that this is what you do on Christmas Eve. You get family together, you get pictures, you go to church, you come home, you open up one gift, you get the matching I, I get it. But I can tell you then the same way that everything was orchestrated on Christmas Eve 2,000 years ago, God could be orchestrating tonight for the fact that for you to be here to understand who Jesus is. For that word wonderful to be introduced to you of the fact is that God came to do wonders in your life when you totally do not deserve it. For that person that is so far away from God, so far away from church, so far away from religion, so far away from everything that we sang about, and the fact that God, you didn't have to get to God. Christmas is about God coming to you. God breaking out of of the glories of the splendor of heaven, to step into a broken world, to step into a broken mess, to step into a struggling relationship. He stepped into chaos. He stepped into confusion. He stepped right in the middle of that. To be the wonderful counselor, the word "wonderful" sets up the word "counselor." The word "counselor" literally means to guide." He, he meant that he stepped in to, to, to make sense of the chaos around us. I was talking to Pastor Dave, and I said, "I cannot get up here without end up sharing my story and what we've been through, because I tell you what, God has been the wonderful counselor in the middle of my situation, my situation for six months has not been good. It has not been good. God's been good through it, but, but it's been, honestly, a lot of stress. It's been a lot of fear. It's been a lot of struggle, and it's been a lot of miracles, and it's been a lot of God's faithfulness, and it's, it's intertwined, and I can't explain it, But maybe you're sitting here thinking that life shouldn't be as bad as it is, but we live in a sin-cursed world. We do. That's the reason why we needed Jesus to begin with. We prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for Logan's surgery. I prayed for a miracle. I prayed that they would come in and completely take the cancer out. That's what I prayed. It didn't go the way that I thought whatsoever. And I remember being so discouraged when the doctor came in. The surgeon pulled us in in half the time and sat us down and just said, I'm sorry, we had to close them back up. There was nothing more than we can do. It's worse than what we thought. I couldn't get the cancer out. It was a bad day, okay? It was a bad day. I remember the surgeon coming in the next day and the next day and just, he dro- I won't get into it, but he dropped a lot of bad news on us. A lot of ugly, nasty bad news. And I got to the point where I just didn't know how to pray. I'm just being real. I, I, didn't know, I didn't know how to pray. It's like I, 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 laid, I made a list and I prayed through it. It just, I didn't know how to pray. I remember getting ready for bed and we were having an appointment with the specialist the next day. And I was so broken and I was, I was just pleading with God. I didn't, I didn't know what to say to him. I didn't know the words to say to my God. I didn't know how to talk to him. So I just said, I said, you said that you would pray for me as being the the counselor in the midst of the brokenness of when we're in that situation like that. And I remember thinking about Christmas, and I know this sounds weird to you guys. And and, and they, they gave my son the diagnosis that he had heart cancer. And he said, there's nothing that we can do for heart cancer. And I remember walking out of the bathroom and I shut the door and I just said, God, I am asking you tomorrow to do what you did on Christmas and just do the unexpected. That's all I'm asking you to do. He's the mighty counselor, literally meaning that he guides us to do things and he guides us in ways that does not understand in this world. That's what he promised to come to be. And I remember texting about eight people and I said, "Will you just pray with me that tomorrow when we're going in to get bad news, they will just tell us something unexpected. And some of these people that I texted and asked to pray with me are in this room right now. We went to the specialist the next day. They turned around and they said, you know, the uh, the pathology report's not good for your son and all this. And then he turned and looked at me and the, the lady turned around and she said, but did you hear the good news? I was like, what? We've not heard good news in a long time. She said, There's some markers on your son's cancer that is unexpected and is going to open the doors for things to happen that we did not think would happen. And your son is a possible candidate for some chemo that he could take for the rest of his life and live with this cancer possible, and he could even shrink it. You say, What happened? You understand that my God stepped into this world when things are chaos and things are falling apart and there's no answers. And there gets to be the point in your life and in your marriage and with your kids that you say there is no hope. God showed up to give us hope when there was no hope. That's who he is. And you might be the most lost person here. And by lost, I literally mean you just say, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know how. I don't even know what the, the words are for religious things that happen in my life. God steps in to be the counselor in your life that you never expected. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He said it in that passage that he would come to be the mighty God. Do you know what the mighty God means? The mighty God literally means that there's a lot of gods that claim to be a lot of things, but God would show up to be mighty, which literally means to be greater than any God that ever lived or any God that ever died, let's put it that way. Meaning that no matter what your past is or what your problems are, or the things that you've had or the things that you've dealt with in your life, God is greater than all of those things. I'll be honest. In this room, I promise you, there's a lot of past regret there are things that we sit there and say, man, if I don't go to church, because if you knew the life that I live, let me tell you, when he said that he's the, he's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, he was literally saying that I came to be greater than whatever you're dealing with. I'm here to tell you that my God is greater than cancer. My God is greater than your family problems. My God is greater than your marital problems. My God is greater than your addiction problems in your life. That is who God came to be. He said, let me introduce myself. I am the wonderful counselor. I am the mighty God. There is nothing that will come up against my God that God cannot handle. That is what Christmas is all about. The mighty God. The everlasting Father. The everlasting Father. There are so many ways that I could explain that to you. There are so many ways that I could try to lay that out to you. I, I've said these words over and over again. When it comes to Logan's cancer, he, he, he won't fully understand it until he's a dad. He won't fully understand it. There's no way for me to fully understand to my son how much this affects me. My, Jenny could say the same thing. She, she could say that, that it, as a parent, there's no way to put it. Can I say this? And I mean this with all my heart. If I could take Logan's cancer upon myself, I would do it in a second. And I guarantee you, every parent that is here right now would would say the same thing. If I could step in and take the hurt from my kids and put it upon myself, that I would do it. And you say, Why would you do that? I would do that without even thinking. Why would you do that? Because he's my kid. It's hard to explain to a child the love of a parent. Can I tell you guys, in all of my ability and all the love that I have, I have no power or resources and of myself to reach into my son's life to take the pain that he has and bring it upon myself as much as I love him. God said, I want to be introduced as this. I want to be introduced as the everlasting father because God was able to step into our life and take the pain. And the sin and put it upon himself. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was stricken, inflicted and nailed to a cross and by his stripes we are healed. All of these things are possible because of the baby that was born to be the conquering king that died on the cross of Calvary. But I love this. The final phrase of Isaiah 9-6 is the title of the Prince of Peace you realize what the prince of peace is it's the calmness that only God can give it's the stability that only God can give I I, I love the prince of peace he's the author of peace it's it's the whisper of God to whisper it to your heart to your mind and literally say I've got this I can do what man cannot do I can help in ways that that man cannot help It's not about me as a pastor and the fact that we're a church. It's about the Jesus. It's about the hope. It's about the salvation that we preach. So this is Christmas Eve. We celebrate with gifts and family and singing and all these things. But what we celebrate is who he is. I'm going to do this. I'd love to introduce you to my Jesus. Not not to religion, not to being a Baptist, but to my Jesus. He is the counselor, the wonderful counselor that stepped into our world to guide you when you're lost. He is the mighty God that died on a cross to conquer the sins, the problems, the past, the issues, the overwhelming circumstances in your life. He wants to be that everlasting father, the father that will never let you down, the father that will never walk out on you. You realize it's an everlasting father because of the fact that it's a relationship that loves you. He wants to be the Prince of Peace.